morning. How are we? Good. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. Yeah. Yeah. I'll apply. I'll, sure. Sure. Why not? We're excited you guys are here. I'm excited to be here. I have, uh, I, my name's Josh Hotzenpiller, and many moons and lifetimes ago, it now seems, uh, God allowed me to start this church, and um, I was its full-time senior leader, senior, uh, lead pastor uh, for a decade, and then I was able to teach and be a part of it for another five years, and uh, now I get to come back now and again and share my heart and uh, whatever they asked me to. And so they asked me to speak on irresistible faith today, which is a fascinating topic in its own. And so before we dive in, let me pray for us, ask God to bless us and open our ears and minds, and then we'll dive into God's Word. God, we love you. Uh, we are grateful uh, for the journey um, of exploring and getting to know you more. We are uh, curious. Uh, more and more about you and what it looks like to walk with you and know you and understand you. And may today uh, help that journey process a little bit more. In your name we pray, amen. So the subject matter is irresistible faith. And the notion is uh, that this is something that we all want. We all want this irresistible faith, this kind of faith that people are just go, oh gosh, I want that. I was in an airport a couple days ago in Chicago and somehow it came up church. And uh, this guy asked if I was religious. And I said, you know, I used to uh, be a pastor of a church. And he said, oh, my gosh, well, let me tell you why I don't like going to church. And I was like, I said, used to be a pastor. Like, I don't have to hear this anymore, bro. So he's like, well, let me tell you what. Everybody at church, it's like, it's not even real. It's like, if you just trust Jesus, everything's going to be fine. It's almost this unrealistic lifestyle and, and, and way of viewing the world. I said, you know, it's funny. I'm actually speaking on Sunday uh, kind of about that. I started thinking about this irresistible faith idea. And, you know, in, in the Christian subculture, we often uh, kind of look at the heroes of our faith and, and we go, I want to be like that. I want to be, uh, be Daniel in the lion's den. Do you? I want to be David defeating Goliath. Do you? I want to be Joshua praying and, and chanting around a city and bringing it to, do you? I want to be Moses parting the Red Sea. Do you? I mean, do you want to stand against the mouth of a lion as it gets ready to kill you? Do you want to stand in front of a giant that has led great warriors to flee? Do you want to be the weird guy that, that, that goes around a city chanting? Do you want to be the one in which the greatest army and force in the world is chasing you and apparently your arms spread open will part water? Do you want irresistible faith? See, I think what we want is the outcome. We want the legend and the story and the accolades and the rewards. But do you want the process to irresistible faith? Oh, I wish I had faith like that person. So I don't know that you do. I don't know that you want that journey. I don't know that you would sign up for it. I've, I've entitled this message, The Process of Developing Irresistible Faith is Easy to Resist. It's easy to resist irresistible faith because... 
of the incredible amount of resistance that you're going to come up against. The incredible amount of resistance that you will come up against to have anything that is irresistible is shocking. And it's so shocking that most of us would actually rather say, I actually don't want to be David. I don't want to be Daniel. I don't want to be Moses. I don't want any of that. So I want to talk a little bit today about developing this irresistible faith. And I want to look at the life of Moses. And I want to look at the amount of friction. Everybody say friction. How many of you know that friction is horrible but needed? It's horrible but needed. I've, I mean, it was funny. I got done with my message and a couple of my employees were here and I walked up because this whole message we're going to talk about friction. So just prep. Everybody say friction. We're going to say it a bunch. I walked up and one of my employees looked at me and goes, well, there's Mr. Friction himself. All right? Friction is the key to irresistible faith. Now let's talk about friction. Here's the definition of friction. Friction is the force that works against motion. Friction works against motion. While walking, though, friction helps our stability and prevents us from slipping. Friction also works the same way with cars and vehicles in general, preventing them from skidding and helping them stop when brakes are applied. Here's what I want to talk about today. In order to build and have and express irresistible faith, you must be prepared to accept and encounter and live in friction. This is the story of Moses. Moses is an amazing leader who God had called out to do amazing things. But what we often forget is that Moses had to deal with amazing parts of friction. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at three areas of, uh, that Moses had friction. We're going to do three because this is church. And that's what you do when you do sermons. You do three. All right? I could have done two. I could have done 20. But it's church. And so we're doing three. Everybody say three. Three points of friction. Here we go. Here's the first area that Moses experienced friction. And I promise you this. If you will be a man or woman who has irresistible faith, you will experience this area of friction. Here it is. Ready? Moses experienced the area of friction with people. Anybody relate? Have you, how many of you can relate to this? Have you ever felt like the people who are your people, you know your people? Like, like, your, like your spouse, your tribe, your best friends, your family, your people. Have you ever felt like your people are the greatest reason for you having friction? Anybody? So Moses can relate. As it turns out, you and your people are not the only dysfunctional people in the world. Can I get an amen? I always liked it back when I always preached. God, he's like, how many of you are on the same page that we're super messed up? He said, that was your chance to be vulnerable and say, we're on the same page. Because I'm not even going to keep preaching if you're that unself-aware. How many of you know you're messed up? Okay, for the seven of you that didn't raise your hand, there's psychologists, there's support groups. You are high, you're more dysfunctional than anybody in this room. Can I get an amen? All right. I mean, when I used to preach, everybody look at you and be like, they're judging you. And I'm like, you... You need more help than I do, I assure you. So that's the first thing I want to talk about. So Moses, is he's, he's about to experience the, this first area of great friction, and it's his people. So he's, he's been up with God, and he's like, God, I want to apologize for my people. 
they've been, they've been, they've been doubting you. They've been creating false gods. I just want you to forgive them. And God says, hey, before you finish that sentence and you petition for your people, you probably should go back down there because as we speak, they're continuing to make more false gods. And Moses is like, for the love. So he goes back down and he begins to yell at them. And listen to what he says. The next day, Moses said to his people, you have committed a great sin, but now I'll go back up to the Lord and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses goes back up to the Lord and says, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They've made themselves gods of gold, but now God, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you've written. So Moses goes up to God and goes, God, please forgive these people. Uh, uh, stay with us. Give us another chance. And if you don't, God, if you choose not to, God, then just kill me too. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Moses, I'm going up there and be like, listen, man, they did it again. They did it again. And I just got to tell you, like, if you want to wipe them out, I get it. I just think you should wipe them out and you and I can start this thing over again. I mean, I'm just telling you, this is why I struggled being a pastor. I would have just been like, kill them all. But they're your, that's your tribe. Not anymore. Let's get a new tribe. Those people are messed up. But not Moses. Moses did something interesting. He said, if you don't forgive them, if you're not still with them, then just blot me out too. And I saw that sense and I'm like, I, why would he do that? Have you ever stopped to think that sometimes maybe the people in our lives, their role, their function, is perhaps to act as a mirror in our own lives so that we can see the great reality that we need God? Like, have you ever thought that maybe the friction that somebody else, your people, put in your life, like, have you ever just been like, they are so, fill in the blank, not nice word. Think about your spouse, or frustrating, it feels like, they, and your kids, your friends, your boss, all this stuff. And if you ever begin to think really, like, bad thoughts, have you ever just had thoughts where you're like, ooh, that was a bad thought I just had. Anyone? Sometimes I'll have this thought, and I'm like, my gosh. Lord, please forgive me. I didn't even say it out loud. It was so bad. But that person is that. And somehow that little voice goes, man, do you realize how ugly your heart is? Do you realize that that person and their dysfunction really serve as a reality check for how dysfunctional you are? And how nasty you can become. And how arrogant you are. And have you ever stopped to think that maybe if that person hadn't just walked in and done exactly what they just did, you would have been completely oblivious to how dysfunctional you are? What if Moses was saying, you know, God, here's, here's the thing. I need those people. Because they constantly remind me of the errors of my own life in which I need to correct and change and mature. So God, if you get rid of my counterparts, if you get rid of my mirror, if you get rid of my reality, if you get rid of my people, then just get rid of me as well. 
You know, God's word says a simple verse. You've probably heard it before. But it says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There's this beautiful verse that says, here's how it's supposed to work. It's these two people coming together and creating what? What? For the rest of this meeting, whenever I go, what? You're going to go, friction. Okay? So two people are doing what? They're creating what? And that friction begins to reveal something. So I was, um, I was at a birthday party a couple weeks ago, and um, we're all sitting around, a couple of us guys that, that love each other very much. And uh, at some point in time, each of one of us had, had, had played the fool. We'd done something foolish. And being the um, uh, probably most aggressive friction creator ever, me, uh, I decided to voice what I thought about the situation but I think I was tired, and I was worn out, and I'd been traveling a lot. And apparently, it was a little strong. See, so yeah, I know, right, right, right. So the next day, I'm in the office, and, and, and one guy comes up to me and says, hey, man, you okay? I'm like, yeah, what's up? I don't know. I was, was pretty aggressive last night. I was pretty strong. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but them, that, that person. Have you ever done that? That's called deflecting. And I was like, yeah, but you know them. So a couple minutes later, another guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you doing good? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, I don't know. It just like, seemed kind of last night. I'm like, yeah, but that guy. I mean, did you see what that guy did? I mean. And there was four of us. So the third one, legitimately, it wasn't like three. But like the third one came up and he's like, dog, you all right, man? You good? I'm like, why? Did, listen, when three people, what are you going to do? I mean, you're like, well. So I bring everybody in. I'm like, Listen. Um, you've all, I didn't use this word because I didn't create the message yet, but you've all created great friction in my life this morning. You're, you're revealing something in me. And clearly, while I feel like I've got some very good things that I could say to each of one of you, uh, the bottom line is my behavior was inappropriate. And I'd like to ask for your forgiveness, and I'd like to actually do some self-reflection on how I got there. It was actually really cool. One of the guys said, hey, I just want to step up and say, Man, I, I did this and I blew it. And the next guy, man, me too. I did this and I blew it. And like three grown men were like, guys, come on. This is <laughs> friction. I mean, sometimes the people in our lives, sometimes, you know, we want to have this irresistible faith. We want to be these people that just walk and function different than anybody else. But we don't want any distractions. But the problem is, God says, I'm going to bring people in your life so that we can begin to build irresistible faith. And it's going to start by you being an amazing human that self-reflects. That looks at your own life. And here's what happens. When people come in your life and they do that, without a doubt, what they begin to do is they slow you down. They stabilize your actions. And they keep you from slipping. And I walk out and I look back at that and I'm like, man, I'm so glad that I had people in my life that said, hey, can we slow down for a minute? You seemed out of control. If you keep doing that, that's going to be a bad outcome. I can't help but think sometimes God brings those people in my life because he wants me to be a man of irresistible faith. And he knows that if he brings the right people in my life and I self-reflect, it'll be part of the process, part of the resistance that'll help me get to irresistible. And Moses said, you can't take away my people. You can't take away my iron as we sharpen each other, as we go through this together. We need each other to get through this together. There's people in your life right now that you can't stand. 
can I let you in on a little secret that you might not want to accept yet? They don't like you either. Can I let you know another little secret? I promise you it's not all their fault. I promise you this, if you ever look at somebody or situation and you say it's all them, you severely lack self-awareness. Severely. And you'll never be somebody of irresistible faith if you can't stop and pump the brakes for a little minute and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And God brings people in our life sometimes just to create friction so that we can see the areas of our life we need to grow, so that we can be somebody of irresistible faith. The next part that Moses would encounter was the reality that God will create friction in our life. God will create friction in our life. And so, so Moses goes to God in, in verse th uh, 33, verse 1, Exodus 33, verse 1. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place and go to the, uh, leave this place and, and, and the people that you brought up to Egypt and go to the promised land of Abraham. I'll give you your descendants. I will send an angel before you, and I'll drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, all these other Hittites. Go up to the land of flowing with milk and honey, but watch what he says. But I will not go with you, because you are stiff-necked people, and if I go with you, I might destroy you on the way. It's a little strong. Can you imagine God's like, all right, here's the deal. Go, and I'll drive everybody out. You'll be fine, but I'm not going. Well, how come you're not going? Because there's a better than not chance that even being around your aroma, smelling your stag, looking at your face, will lead me to wiping you off the face of the earth. Fairly strong. I mean, you know, you're like, wow, God. It's a bit aggressive. You ever had those moments where you're like, God, let's go, and God's like, I ain't going. I'm not in. Not feeling it. Yeah, but God, it's, it's this dream and this vision, and it's going to happen, and God bless me. And God's like, nah, man, no, I ain't in. Why aren't you in? I love the reason that God said I'll kill you. Because it's so relevant. He says, you are stiff-necked. Now, here's what this means. In ancient farmers would describe an oxen or a mule or a farm animal when they, would, when they would put the rig on the animal and they would begin to plow the fields. And the idea is they'd have a, a what is it, a bit? Is that what they call that? Am I right? <laughs> bit, right? So, and they would pull it. And when they did, the head would turn and it would go. But sometimes you would get a mule or an oxen that has a strong neck, a real strong neck, and they would pull that thing. And the force of a man's arm wasn't even strong enough to pull the neck. And you would go, that thing is too stiff-necked to even use, and they would put it down. Because it wasn't worthless. It was not movable. And you know what God says? He goes, you know what the problem with you and your people, Moses, is that when I whisper to you to move left, and I whisper to you to move right, and I whisper you to do self-awareness, and I whisper you to trust me, you are unmovable. I can't move you. And if I can't move you, I can't use and bless you. And if I can't use and bless you, we need to part ways. There's no way to have irresistible faith if you're a human being in which God cannot move. And God's like, I, I, there's no way I can go with you. And what God was really doing was creating friction for Moses and going, hey, if you want me to go, we're going to have to stop. 
slow down, stabilize, and make sure you don't slip. Because right now there's no evidence that you're going to be responsible. Very silly analogy, but I was thinking about this relationship between God and man and what we want. And, and um, we have a basketball court in our backyard, and so we, we love to play. And I'll, I'll say to the boys, guys, go get your shoes on and we'll go shoot hoops. And Crosby, my youngest, who is so much like me, it's scary. He loves to graze on food. He loves to art, like negotiate. I mean, all sorts of scary things. But we, I go, go put your shoes on. He's like, Dad, I don't need my shoes. I'm like, you need your shoes, and there's two reasons you need your shoes. The first one is because somehow, some way, you always find something sharp and rip your foot open. I don't know how, but you do. Okay? You don't want that. The second thing is, I don't feel like being an empathetic dad that's going to care about you and coddle to you right now and deal with you, and you don't want that, and I don't want that. So this whole equation is not meant to be without shoes. And he's like. So go put your shoes on because you don't want to cut foot, and I don't want to deal with you. And you know what God's really saying? You don't want to cut foot. You don't want to be a person that doesn't listen to me. Trust me. Because when you're a person that doesn't listen to me and then you make bad decisions, it creates a gap between me and you. And I don't want that gap. And you don't want the cut foot. I don't want the gap and you don't want the cut foot. So why don't you just move left when I say left and right when you say right. And when I tell you to look inside and stop being so stiff-necked, why don't you do it? So we can take an amazing adventure together. God said, I ain't going. And I want you to know something right now, guys. There are, there are journeys in your life right now in which God is whispering to you, I'm not going. Sometimes they're small things. You know, I think we think about irresistible faith and we think, I'm going to start a new company. I'm going to move across the country. I'm going to, you know, take this big risk. And faith is, there's no, there's, there's no uh, size that warrants the, the word faith. It's trusting God. And I'm telling you right now, there's things in your life right now in which God is going, I'm not going. Because if I go on that journey with you and I say left, you're going to go, no, I'm good. And if I say right, you're going to go, no, I'm good. And Moses said, God, can we go? And he goes, no, I'm good. But I'm going to create friction. I'm going to slow you down. And you're going to self-reflect. And we're going to change your position. And then maybe I will. So the first thing Moses experienced was the friction from people and then from God. And let me give you the, the third one. The third thing that will create resistance in your life is this. The incomplete story. How many of you, and please raise your hand, how many of you would prefer to see how the story ends that your, your faith journey's on? About half of you, half, half of you don't really care. Half of you are like, I, I, the last time I dreamed a big dream, I was like four, right? I don't know about you, but when I get in over my skis and when I start to kind of get in over my head, I'm like, God, if you can just show me how this ends, I'll love you more. I'll give you more money now. I'll volunteer. So Moses starts getting some wins in with God, right? He goes up and he petitions his people, and then he ultimately gets God to go with them. And he just, he's winning with God. He's winning God over. He's working. He's readjusting his heart. He's readjusting what it means to lead his people. All these things are going on. And then God says this to him, uh, you know, about 17 verses later. He says, and then the Lord said to Moses, 
verse 17. I will do everything you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And then Moses said, now show me your glory. He's like, let me see it all. He was feeling a little bullish. He got a few things from God. He's like, God, I want to see everything. Show me everything. And the Lord said, I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you can't see my face. No one will see it and live. Now, you have to understand this. This is so important because this is how it works. We just go, Lord, show me the end. And so we ask God. It's the Hebrew word, kabod. Moses goes, God, show me the kabod. Show me the fullness. Show me how it ends. Show me the victory. Show me that I go into the lion's den and you steal their mouth. Show me that I go fight the giant and three stones are enough. Show me that if I really walk around this, they'll fall. Show me that if I open my arms, the sea will part. Show it to me. Show me the kabod. Anybody ever said bless your heart to you? That means it ain't happening, right? He's like, bless your heart. Come here. You know I can't do that. You know I can't do that. Because if I do that, you'll die. Such things are too wonderful for you to say. He said, but I'll make a commitment to you. I'm not going to show you how the story ends. I'm not going to show you the fullness. I'm not going to show you the kabod. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show you the tub, which means good things. I'm going to show you good things along the way. And each one of those good things are going to be these little moments, these little mile markers that make you know that we're here and we're on the right path and we know it. And they help develop you into be a person of great trust and irresistible faith. And sometimes those good things are people. Like I experienced last week when some of my friends came up to me and said, hey, you okay? Maybe you need some friction. Or maybe sometimes it's good things where God goes, I'm going to not, I'm going to close that door. How many of you ever have been, you just knew something was going to happen. Maybe it was a house, maybe it was a career situation, maybe it was a relationship, and you have no idea the reason why, but for some reason it just didn't happen. And then maybe sometime you look back and you look back at that moment and go, man, I'm so glad that didn't happen. I either wasn't ready, I didn't know this was going to happen, who knew what? And you look back and go, that was a good thing. God didn't go with me, and it's a good thing. <laughs> Or what about those moments? You know, I just got back from a really fun trip from Chicago, and I was sitting out on my front porch and was watching the sunset, and I said to God, God, you know what really scares me? And I'll just kind of share with you my own journey. Since leaving the pastorate here, God's kind of taken me on a fun journey uh, all over the place, uh, around the world, around the country, and and I love it. I really do. I, I love the journey and I love the experience. And I was looking out over my little horizon in my porch and I said, God, I just don't ever want to lose this journey. You know what God did not say back to me? Don't worry, you won't. It's only going to get more amazing. This is just the start. Now, I, you know, I kind of like say that to myself, but what I heard to him was, isn't today good? 
isn't just you good? Isn't your family good? Isn't today's blessing good? I'll never show you the kibbutz. But every day, if you want to be a man or a woman of great faith, then you look for the good things that God has given in your life. And sometimes it's friends, and sometimes it's his unwillingness to go with you, and sometimes it's just the good things he's revealing to you. But that's what it looks like, the friction process, to be a person of great faith. Let me encourage you. Have the band come up, and as they do, let me encourage you on this thought. There are people in your life right now, listen to me, that you're angry with, that you don't respect, that it's all their fault. That's called friction. And if you're going to be a person of great faith and great moments with God, listen to me, please. Go into that friction and say, how can I grow? Yeah, but they're not perfect and they mess up. Mirror. If there's things in your life in which God's not blessing, if there's things in your life in which God's not blessing, have the courage to go, God, I don't want to be stiff-necked. If I'm stiff-necked, there's no sense you'll never go with me. Have the courage to identify those. And here's the last one. You know there's good things in your life, don't you? You know there's things in your life right now that are good things. Focus on them. Draw attention to them. Embrace them. Hold them. Because it will build faith in you. See, being a person of irresistible faith probably looks nothing like what you think. You don't really think about having to do the self-reflection and the, the willingness to, to say no to things you want. And sometimes just noticing the beautiful, simple things. You don't think about irresistible faith of being those things, but that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. Would you stand with me? And as you do, we're going to take a time of offering. An offering is an example of what? Did you know that it is? You know, offerings in a, a time of friction. How many of you ever had that bucket go by and you don't put anything in it and you want to whisper next to me, I give a line. Anybody? I know you do because I pass through this church and like I'd hand the bucket to somebody and be like, I'm a pastor. I'm like, direct deposit for years. <laughs> Can I tell you a little secret about money? A little secret. I, here's the view. I don't pastor this church, but I don't care what you do. So I'm not, I'm not you know, qualming for alms here, but I'm going to tell you something about money, and I know this about my own life. Money has nothing to do with this church. It has everything to do with you. Everything to do with you. You get all mad, I don't have any money. That's a lie, you do. You're clothed and you drove here, you got money. You might not want to give, you might not, you might be one of those people like God is, as soon as then, anybody ever been there? As soon as then, as soon as you show me the kabob, God, I'll start giving. I just want you to know giving is, 
friction. You know what else is friction? Worship. Worship's friction. Because you have to look at those words and you have to go, do I believe them? Can I sing them? Can they come out of my heart? Sometimes that creates friction. Friction helps us to slow down, stabilize, and make sure we don't slip. And I guarantee you there's many, many things in every single person's life here this morning which they need to slow down, stabilize, and make sure they're not slipping. Maybe it's relationships, maybe it's money, maybe it's with the position of your heart, whatever it is, we need that. So I invite you to, as the buckets go around, I invite you to consider, guys, that's your cue to get moving. Maybe you pass that bucket and maybe you give online, maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you are a giver, but would you still see it as friction? Would you just check your heart? And as those worships and words go up, would you use it as friction and check your heart? And let God begin to develop the person in you.